we're in this series called The Climb, and we're, we're watching Abraham and, and Sarah make this climb, make this climb of faith, and, and we're watching them uh, develop their faith, and, 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 but it's not without some imperfections, and so we're going to see some of their imperfections, uh, something that we're all maybe tempted to do at a time or another, and so the title of this message is Run Out, which run out simply means attempting to make the climb with, without protection, and so as believers, when we run out, uh, we run out, and we're, we're tempted to run ahead of God, we're tempted to run our own plan, we're tempted that because we're waiting, we're waiting on God to do something, we're waiting on God to respond, and so if we're not careful, we, we can get tempted. We can get tempted with this issue of waiting. We can get frustrated with waiting, especially when it seems like God is unresponsive to our needs or unresponsive to our prayers, and, and if we're not careful, we can, we can be the same as Abraham and Sarah are this weekend to where we're tempted to, to run out and to like run our own plan. And whenever you or I run out and run ahead of God, whenever we, we compromise, when, whenever we get impatient and we decide we're going to run ahead of God or we're going to run out and do things our own way with our own plan, it always causes issues. It always causes problems or consequences in our life. I really believe the legitimacy of your faith and the legitimacy of my faith is severely tested when God seems silent. When God seems like unresponsive to an issue, because when you just look at Scripture, you realize that our faith is tested, and our faith is tested in so many ways. Our faith is tested whether it's temptation, temptation of the flesh, temptation of, of, of pride, uh, whether, it, whether it's tempted with, with prosperity or adversity or problems or situations. But many times, one of the most difficult tests that we'll go through is that when our faith is tested, when it seems like God is silent or it seems like God is unresponsive to our needs. Do we continue to obey? Do we continue to stay faithful? Do we continue to worship? Do we t continue to life journal and open up scripture and apply that scripture to our lives? Do we continue to serve? Do we continue to come into community with one another? Do, do we believe? Do we keep believing in God because we live in a world sometimes of instant answers, right? We don't, if we're honest, we don't like to wait. If you're like me, I, I hate to wait. But you know what? We live in a world now where it's like instant answers, right? I mean, I, I grew up in a time where we, we didn't have instant answers. I remember a time when you could call someone and you'd actually get like a busy signal. Remember those days? And I remember when call waiting came in and that was like amazing stuff. And I, I, I can remember a time when it was a time of not instant communication. There was no text messaging, no social media. Yes, and we lived. <laughs> Email, text messages, cell phones, constant, constant communication. I mean, I remember a time when, when I remember a time before the Google. I mean, the Google's like amazing, right? I mean, the other night, Karen and I we were watching a movie, and Karen asked a question. I mean, it, it, the scenery was, was unbelievable. And so she says, hey, do you know where this movie was filmed? I says, I don't know. Let's ask the Google. 
And so I asked the Google, and within seconds, we knew the three different cities. And it was amazing. And then we want to know how old some of the actors and actresses were. And so we said, well, let's, let's ask the Google. And so, uh, so we asked the Google again. And again, within seconds, we, we had their age, and we had more information about them than we really wanted. I mean, it's just, it's just we live in a world of instant information. Now, listen, in our house, we never ask Siri any questions like that because she always answers, answers a question that we're not asking. I mean, it's like we don't, we don't get each other. We don't understand each other. But so many times we live in a world with the, like there's instant information, instant answers. And, but God still operates the same way that he did 2,000 years ago. And sometimes part of his plan is this issue of, of waiting for him to answer. And there's things that happen in the waiting. Scripture tells us that God is never in a hurry and that sometimes for us this can be frustrating to us. Sometimes, sometimes we may wish God responded a little bit quicker. Here's what the Scripture says, Isaiah, Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. 2 Peter 3, 9 tells us about this. He says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come, should, should reach repentance. There are times when Scripture tells us that we must wait on God. The psalmist tells us this, that is to be still and know that I am God. Solomon says this, that patience is like better than pride. And Isaiah tells us this, that those who wait on the Lord will like renew their strength. There's like this renewing that happens when we're willing to wait. Paul tells us this in the New Testament, that we're to be patient in affliction. James tells us that we're to be patient until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if we're going to walk with God, sometimes we have to slow down. Sometimes we have to wait. Sometimes we have to understand that God's timing may be different than our timing. And whenever we get impatient, Whenever we get to this place to where we feel like, you know what, we're going to run out, and we're going to run ahead of God, and we're going to run outside of his plan, or we're going to compromise, there is always problems. There's always consequences that come. Abraham and Sarah had got a dream from God, and God made them a promise that they, they would have a child. And, and they believed, and they, they like trusted him, and they committed, and, and they, they moved. But then all of a sudden, difficulty came in their life and delay came in their life. And, and that's where we pick up the story in Abraham and Sarah's faith. And Abraham and Sarah's faith is being severely tested because, like, they're, they're waiting. And they'd waited a long time at this point of the story. They've waited, like, over 10 years for God to fulfill his, problem, his promise and still no, no children. And so they had, they had a problem. Do we trust God? Or do we run out? We're not getting any younger. It's getting more and more difficult for God to solve this problem. Genesis 15, chapter 1, and then we're going to jump to Genesis 16. We're going to walk through the scriptures. Here's what the scripture says. It says, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what? What good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? In other words, you haven't even answered this prayer. Since you have given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all of my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, 
so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own. Who will be your heir? Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up to the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. But ten years later, after making that commitment, after God renewing the promise, they're still waiting. Maybe this morning you feel like Abraham and Sarah. Maybe you're waiting. Maybe you have prayed and prayed and prayed for a relationship, for a situation, for a circumstance. And you feel like God is unresponsive to your needs. Maybe this morning you can relate to this issue of waiting. One of the things I, I believe is one of the most difficult things that we will ever do is to wait on God when we're in a situation that is outside of our control. We cannot make it happen. We cannot force it. We not, there, is, there is no answer. See, many times when you look at Scripture, script, Scripture tells us that God matures us and does something, a deepening in our lives when we're waiting. And Abraham and Sarah, all they could do is like trust and wait. But waiting is hard, especially in our society, especially as Americans, because we're, we're taught in this world that if you want something to happen, make it happen. Force it to happen. You're smart enough, you can work hard enough, and you can make it happen. But there's something about this issue of waiting for God to act. Galatians 6, 9 tells us, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. This is like the law of the harvest. The law of the harvest is you reap what you sow. There's a period of sowing and reaping. But there's a time in between the sowing and reaping. There's a season in between the sowing and reaping. See, this is, this is where Abraham and Sarah are. They're in this, this time between sowing and reaping. And Abraham and Sarah find themselves waiting on God. And Genesis tells us that, that Abram believed God. And God counted it to him as his righteousness. Many times in life, we must wait. But Sarah is tempted to run out. Whenever you're tempted to run out, run ahead of God, you begin seeing things not from a spiritual perspective, but from a human perspective. And Sarah begins to see this situation from a human perspective. And so she tells Abraham that, let's run out. Maybe it's not God's plan to have a son through me. Maybe it's his plan to have a son through Hagar. After all, I'm past the childbearing years. So let me, let me speak to the type A personalities in this room right now. You're wondering, when is he going to get to the points? <laughs> You got your pen out, you got your notes out, you got your app open. You're like, I'm ready, I'm on it. Is he ever, how long will this sermon be if this is still the intro? 
I'm going to give you the points at the end. We're going to walk through this story, and then I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you some points to remember when you're walking through a period in between the sowing and the reaping and life. Genesis chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram said, okay. (laughs) It's in the Bible. This is why you should read the Bible. There's stories like this in the Bible. You know, it's interesting to me so many times when believers decide to run out, so many times when believers decide to run ahead of God, they make it sound so spiritual. They can make compromise sound so spiritual, and they throw the Lord's name around. They throw some scripture around. They throw God's name around, and that's, that's what Sarah's doing. Sarah is saying, well, actually, you know what she's doing? She's blaming God. She's saying, the Lord has prevented me from having children. It's the Lord's fault. Maybe the Lord can't do this. Maybe this is too tough for him. Maybe he's not able to fulfill the promises that he made to us. And so they concluded, they concluded that God wasn't able to do what God said he would do. And as a result, they're frustrated. They're frustrated waiting on God, and they decide to run out. It's hard to wait on things when things aren't working out in life. It's our nature sometimes to get frustrated and run out. It's easy to trust God when everything's going well, when the money's coming in and the raises are happening, the promotions are happening, the family's good, your life is good, you're you're going on vacation and everything's good. And it's easy to trust God in those times. Something altogether different. When you're a period of a life where Abraham and Sarah are, Psalm 27, 14 says, just encourages us, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. You find this all through Scripture. Verse 3, so Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, gave her to Abram as a wife. I thought she was a servant. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. When we run out, when we get tired of waiting, if we're not careful, we'll move from God's plan to our plan. And there's always compromise when that happens. There's always consequences. See, they had justified their plan. Sarah says... The Lord has prevented me from having children. She's the one that took Hagar and brought Hagar to Abram. And now Hagar is involved in this whole thing. It's interesting to me, nothing, you find nothing of the Lord in, in these verses. You, you don't find where they prayed. You don't find where they asked God what they should do. You didn't find where God had told them what to do. fact is, you find nothing of the Lord in these verses. They're tired of waiting, and they have convinced themselves to run out. And Hagar, 
So just take, I'm sorry, Sarah. Sarah said, just take Hagar as your wife. I don't care what you call it, it's still wrong. I don't care what you call it. Sex outside of marriage is not God's plan. So interesting to me that Abraham had made a commitment in Genesis chapter 15. He believed God. God counted it to him as his righteousness. And now he's struggling. Trusting is hard. It's easy in a church service. It's easy in a church service to make a commitment. It's easy in a church service to make a commitment to change some things, to do some things. It's a total different thing to live out that commitment during the week. That's why we need each other. That's why we need life groups. That's why we need community. That's why we need believers around us that we're in relationship with. Verse 4 out of Galatians, uh, Genesis chapter 16, so Abram had sexual relationships with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. I guess so. And there's problems in the home, right? There's consequences. Fact is, there's a little bit of homework for you. If you want to read through Abraham and Sarah's marriage and their life, you will find up until this point, no problems in the home. Their marriage was going good. Their relationship was going good. And now, all of a sudden, they introduce somebody else into the relationship, and now there's, like, consequences. There, there's jealousy. There's animosity. There's all kinds of issues. Sarah looks at Hagar differently. Hagar looks at Sarah differently. Verse 5, then Sarai said to Abram, okay, stop right here. Men, don't flinch. Look straight at me. Don't flinch. Don't change your breathing. Do not laugh. Saturday night service, the five, the, the, the five o'clock service, we had a man when I read this statement. He broke out. He said amen, and he commonly does not say amen. He said amen and started laughing so hard, his wife got upset. I thought I was going to have to do marital counseling. So, <laughs> verse 5. Then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. Good job. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she is pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord... The Lord will show who's wrong. You are me. Isn't it interesting to me, when people run out, when people run ahead of God, they kick God out of the discussion. They kick God out of, of the conversation. And then they run out. Then there's, then there's consequences. And then all of a sudden, they want to bring God back into the situation. And Sarah now wants to bring God back into the situation. Says, you know what? The Lord's going to tell us. The Lord's going to show who's wrong. You are me. Sarah is upset. And you know what she's upset over? When they ran out, their plan did not bring them the peace they wanted. Did not solve the fact is it made the situation worse. I'm telling you, whenever we run out, whenever it's about us and we take matters into our own hands and says, we're going to make this happen, we're going to force this to happen, it doesn't make it better, it makes it worse. There's consequences.
Verse 11, she said, the Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. The interesting thing about this is, Sarah never refers to Hagar as his wife again. It's your servant. You know what should have happened? Marriage. Marriage is a partnership. You know what should have happened? When Sarah came to Abraham and said, I, I, think, this is, I think this is what we should do. I think you should take Hagar because maybe God will use her. Abraham should have been the spiritual leader of his home and said, you know what? God's plan never includes sin. God's plan never includes sin. This would violate scripture. This would violate what he's calling us to do. I, I, I cannot be a part of that. I won't be a part of that. The same way Sarai, a few weeks back when we learned that Abraham ask her to lie for him and say, you're my sister and not my wife, she should have responded to her husband and says, you know what? Lying is a sin. It would violate scripture. I can't do that for you. Marriage is a, marriage is a partnership. We, we need each other because God's plan never includes sin. And we need to learn to wait on him, verse 6. And Abram replied, Look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. So here's what's happening. Abraham's passive in the relationship. He's passive in the marriage. You know what, honey? You deal with it. You deal with it. You deal with her. I'm out of here. I, you, you deal with it. But we need to sp- stop and just recognize who the victim is here. You know who the victim is? Hagar. The victim of the story is Hagar. And the scripture says that the Lord found her there. The Lord found her in the wilderness. The Lord looked for her. And maybe this morning, maybe you're struggling with identifying with Abraham and Sarah. But maybe you say, I I identify with Hagar. I feel like in my situation right now, I'm the victim. I've been hurt. I've been betrayed. I've been wronged. I've been manipulated. I've been sinned against. I tell you, God is looking for you. Hagar, first unwed mother of Scripture. Hagar, the first single parent. And the Bible says, God is looking for her. Verse 8, then the angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, Where have you come from and where are you going? I am running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. And you are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. 
For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. The son of yours will be a wild man as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. In my distress, in my affliction. And she also said, I have truly seen the one who sees me. In other words, she comes into a personal relationship. You're the God who sees, and I'm the one who sees you. When we run out, it always causes problems, it always causes consequences. And innocent people will get hurt. Ishmael would be, be the father of the, of, of the Arabs and, and Isaac, the, the child that would be born in 14 years to uh, Abraham and Sarah, would be the, the father of, of, of the Jews. And we, we're seeing those consequences. All this stuff that's going on right now in the Middle East, it's a family feud. And it started thousands of years ago. And I believe that the reason that God had Hagar return to Sarah and Abraham is so they had to face the consequences of their actions. Whenever we run out, whenever we take matters into our own hands and go our way and our plan, it always causes problems, always causes consequences. And the reason we get frustrated many times is for waiting. Man, a lot of us, we don't like to wait. Kids really don't like to wait. Like when we tell the grandkids, you know, wait, you know, like especially the grandsons, Dinner is not for 30 minutes. It's like an eternity to them. A friend of mine in our church told me just recently that he took his five-year-old son on a, on a fishing trip to a lake that's out of town. And they had a picnic, and they're in the car, and they're not far. And his son says, you know, are we there yet? How much further? All those discussions, you know. And he's getting frustrated with his son. He says, we'll just get there, and the kid can't wait. So finally, he says, Dad, are we there yet? And he goes, no, you're just going to have to wait. And there was silence in the car. And a few minutes later, the little boy looked at his dad and said, Dad, will I still be five when I get there? <laughs> we don't like to wait. And Abraham and Sarah would have to wait another 14 years for God to respond. Genesis 16, 15 says, So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him, named him Ishmael. And Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. I want to give you four principles this morning to remember when you're waiting. And these principles are like personal to me, personal to our family. So the first thing is this, walk and pray. When you're waiting, when you're in that season between sowing and reaping, learn to walk and pray. Luke 18, 1 says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to, to show that they should always pray and never give up. In other words, in life you have two options, pray continually or give up. And here's what I've learned, if, if you pray, and if you learn to pray, you will not give up. And so many times in life, when we learn to pray, is in that season of waiting. We learn to pray in that season when we're up against something that's much bigger than us, and there is no earthly human answer to the problem. The first thing is this, you've got to learn to wait and pray. 
or walk and pray. The second thing is this, accept God's timing. You have to come to the place to where you trust God to the place to where you will accept his timing. Ten years had gone since Abraham had made that commitment to God, and he's still waiting. We as a church, we're, we're waiting, right? We're waiting on God's timing for our new facility. We're serving and we're giving and, and we're trusting and we're working through the process, but, but ultimately it is up to him. Ultimately it is up to him to make a way. Ultimately it is his timing and not our timing. The third principle is this. You've got to learn to identify God's leading. You've got to learn to be able, even in waiting, even in those seasons of life, you've got to be able to identify God's leading in your life. See, Abraham and Sarah, when they ran out, they weren't identifying God's leading. You know what they were doing? They're they identifying their leading. They're identifying their plan. They're identifying their answer. And the last thing is this, is you've got to learn to trust God. I think it's in the waiting that where we really learn to trust him. Isaiah 40, 30 says, Even youths will become weak and tired. Young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. The difference between those who stumble... And those who run is only the action of walking and praying and identifying God's leading and trusting. If you live long enough, you, you will encounter storms of life. No one is immune from tragedy. No, no one is immune from storms of life. The house may be the same. The storm may be the same. But what makes the difference is the foundation of the house. And maybe you're waiting. And maybe you're asking God, where are you? I tell you this this morning, he hears your distress. He hears your affliction. Regardless of the wilderness that you may find yourself in today. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?